I have found out beat news in depth for you. And good evening. Welcome to Outbeat News in Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. We begin tonight talking with Javier Rosales, the program director at Positive Images here in Santa Rosa, about a conference they're planning for this fall. They also have some new offices and meeting space we'll hear about. Very exciting. And in the second half of the hour, I talk with my former student, Officer Zach Lemire. He was fired from the Elk Grove Police Department because he was gay. He and his attorney, Lawrence Bohm, are here to talk about Zach's story and the pervasive homophobia that continues to plague law enforcement. It's all coming up next, right after your Outbeat Radio News for this Sunday, April 23rd, 2017. I have found Outbeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. This is Greg Moralia with your Outbeat Radio News for the week of April 23rd, 2017. The office of Nikki Haley, the U.S. ambassador to the United States, released a statement about reports that gay and bisexual men are being arrested and held in detention sites in Chechnya. It read, quote, we continue to be disturbed by reports of kidnapping, torture and murder of people in Chechnya based on their sexual orientation and those persecuted by association. If true, this violation of human rights cannot be ignored. Chechen authorities must immediately investigate these allegations, hold anyone involved accountable, and take steps to prevent future abuses, end quote. The Russian newspaper Nova Gatsa reported that many people sent to the sites were arrested in sweeps where a law enforcement official would pose as a gay person looking for sex online. The paper reported that over 100 gay and bisexual men are being held at the site and that three have been tortured to death. A spokesperson for Chechnya's leader, Roman Katarov, responded last week, quote, you can't arrest or repress people who just don't exist in the republic, end quote. Earlier this week, he also lashed out at human rights organizations over the accusations, calling the reports, quote, a massive information attack using the most unworthy methods. Reality is distorted. Attempts are being made to blacken our society, lifestyle, traditions, and customs, end quote. Chechnya is a Muslim-majority republic in the Russian Federation, with a population of 1.4 million people. And in New Jersey this week, a police officer who lost his job in 2014, allegedly because he was gay, will be reinstated and receive a cash settlement from the city. Officer Matthew Stanislaw was fired from the Glenrock Police Department in 2014. A week after his termination, he filed suit claiming that he was in a hostile work environment. His suit named several officers who would regularly harass him for being gay, including one who would make sexual gestures every time he walked by. He accused several of his superiors of participating in the same type of harassment. According to the suit, the harassment started in 2004, saying his sexual orientation was a frequent topic of conversation among Glenrock police officers, starting with his first year of employment. He also accused the police department of taking steps to prevent him from working with children in a drug education program and that he was never recognized for saving two people from a submerged car. The city agreed to settle the case but admitted to no wrongdoing. They agreed to reinstate him, consider him for appropriate promotions and education programs, and pay him a settlement of $750,000. He says he'll go back to work because there is a new police chief and the officers who harassed him have since left the department. And here in California, Equality California announced the launch of a media campaign 
called Hashtag Resist Hate to recognize and promote California's exceptional diversity. The campaign seeks to foster a statewide culture of solidarity that resists fear, bigotry, and hate, and instead encourages unity among the state's LGBTQ community and all communities that experience prejudice, injustice, and discrimination. The year-long campaign features images evoking love, unity, and California pride, and they will appear on 125 billboards in various markets across the state. Rick Zibber, executive director of Equality California, said, quote, Resist hate is a message of unity and solidarity for all Californians. LGBT people are black, white, Muslim, and Jew, immigrant and native-born, and everything in between. This campaign empowers us to help and unite the many communities in which LGBTQ people are a part and to resist all attempts to divide our communities. The first billboards are being installed this month in the greater Los Angeles area, and the remainder will be installed across the state throughout 2017. You can learn more at eqca.org. For a calendar of LGBT news and events happening here in the North Bay, go to GaySonoma.com. And for all the latest LGBT news headlines we're following, go to our website at OutBeatNews.com. For KRCB's OutBeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia. OutBeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. Well, as promised, our first guests tonight are from Positive Images, here to talk about something really exciting, a a summit coming up this fall. Uh, So Javier Rosales, who's the program director, is here with uh, Lauda Epson. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, you did. Thank you very much. Awesome. Welcome to you. Javier, you've been here several times before. Sure have. Great to have you back. And uh, so... You're in a brand new space. Yeah. Uh, I think last time you were here, you were talking about um, moving out of the space on Chin Street into the new office. So let's start there. Tell us about it. Well, the journey. Well, thank you first for having uh, me and Positive Images represented again. Um, our The journey was was pretty amazing because there's a lot of history at, uh, at 312 Chin Street for a lot of people. Uh, and for... My first introduction to Positive Images was, was 312 Chin Street. And so the the process was a long process because we were looking for a space for almost about a year uh, and got really lucky that there was a space right across the street um, from our location. Uh, so it wasn't a huge, huge move, but the space is, is much bigger. Uh, and so we have the, the capacity to hold all of our support groups, uh, any board meetings, as well as smaller events that we want to put on. And we have an office space as well as uh, kind of a general intake place or when folks walk in, there is uh, a warm welcome room so that folks are not going directly into the multi-use room or an office. It's It's kind of the... The introduction room. Well, it's a more professional space, right? Definitely, definitely. The other, the other space, which was very homey, mm-hmm. literally because it was a home. Exactly. Right? Uh, it, you know, it was very homey, and, and, and you all have been there for a long time. But, but the meeting spaces, I remember having attended some meetings there, got really tight. Right. So this is a more professional space, and where is it located? Uh, it's at 200 Montgomery Drive, Suite C. So it is uh, right across the way. It is right across the way. And so cool. we're on the first floor completely accessible uh, and it's it's something that we've been waiting for for a really long time so oh, congratulations on the, that the usage of it is a lot of people are using it we have more couches in there which is great still creates that that homey feeling uh so that there's a safe and welcoming space for for all um 
queer young folk and uh so you're not meeting at the jc anymore and not at the high school at all right no we still have many connections at the jc uh, which is still extremely beautiful and and also we've we've developed a little bit grown a little bit so we're we're really happy to be at that at that location yeah excellent well this summit sounds really exciting when we first talked about this uh and you got a grant from the LGBT Giving Circle, right? Yes, right. correct. Right. And Laura, you're running this. You're the coordinator of the program. Yes, I am the event coordinator for the summit. And my job is to um, kind of have a committee, run a group where we can give jobs and kind of work together as a community to make the summit happen. Um, so a lot of the things that are taking right now, we're doing a lot of a sponsorship Um asking for donations it will be a sponsor for our summit in order to continue to on for our summit. Thank you to Sonoma State, who I connected with the hub and the QSA, and they gave us a location, and we kind of connected with them, so we have the location for free, which is great, and we want to make this event free and accessible for everyone. Great. Mm-hmm. So, so let's go back to the beginning. What was the impetus for an LGBTQ summit? So before we get into maybe just the the vision and mission of of what we're trying to do here, the summit came from a from a space where I where I felt like we could start working closer as um, a unit, more as a family or or a stronger community in Sonoma County. Um, I'm originally from San Francisco, and so as as you can imagine, there's a little bit more diversity and also connectedness, um, and there's plenty of different centers that that offer services um, and advocate for LGBTQ. Um, folks of, of all ages. And so when I approached this idea of a summit, I, I recognized that there hasn't been one in Sonoma County before, but also we don't have necessarily um, a very connected uh, LGBTQ um, plus community. And so the summit is a way to our primary audience for this summit is to make sure that we have our folks showing up. Uh, because a lot of the time, we think a lot of how do we create allies, and at times some of the folks already in our communities are, aren't necessarily there yet and just need a little bit more awareness, mm-hmm. a little bit more education, but also some just direct um, influence of how we can empower ourselves and each other um, to take direct action. Mm-hmm. And so the summit um, itself uh, is – is to is we will be establishing a culturally diverse coalition uh, that defines the collective impact we want to have in our communities. Our goals and projects raise LGBTQ plus awareness, inspire community development, and empower direct action. We continue the efforts to live in a society where all LGBTQ plus individuals feel welcome to share their narratives and have true representation in Sonoma County community affairs. And so this this thing, and especially connecting with Laura, um, we wanted to make sure that there was a full representation of the different types of folks that are within our communities because we intersect with with every aspect of of every culture and so we want fair representation of the intergenerational aspect so folks all the way from you know very young all the way to as old as 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 we can get so that there's full um, representation but also narratives so that we can start to share the history but also where are we going and where we're at right now mm-hmm. um, so yeah and I think we want to make this 
space to, for everyone to come, whether they don't have transportation. We're trying to get a sponsorship to go pick them up because we don't want that small thing to block them to come to the summit. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to do is to look over those regions that are being overlooked and make sure we gather everyone that are able to come. Mm -hmm. So transportation shouldn't be an issue because we're trying to get there too, and we want to make sure we have all the community. Mm -hmm. So this is really... A community-wide summit. Definitely. It's not just focused on youth. Right. You know, Positive Images is the premier youth organization right. in the county. But you're really looking to try to bring all of the different pieces mm-hmm. of the community and all the different organizations together. Definitely. Because I've heard that from others before about, you know, Sonoma County is an amazing place in many respects because we do have a lot of infrastructure to support LGBT folks. But it's not necessarily connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are so many people that are moving here who are new. They're moving out of the city and coming here and, and don't necessarily know where to connect. Mm-hmm. So so this could provide a lot of access there. Right and, at the start. And the information of different groups that exist, of different ages of group, that communities. Like we have like the letter people, which is the professional networking. And we have all these other groups that people could connect to. So we will also have tables where all be like resourceful tables where they'll find where the groups are. Mm-hmm. Kind of to bring the community together. Mm-hmm. So about connecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting time. I think there is a sense of folks uh, after the election, we've been talking a lot on this show and, and I'll be it about activism and getting involved and really not taking a let's wait and see what happens attitude mm-hmm. because it's already happening. Right. And so getting involved, if you're out there and you don't know how to get involved or connect, this is really an opportunity to come and learn about some of the existing organizations and how you can be involved. And is that fair? It is definitely, and, and one of the things that's distinguishable with uh, with this summit is we have a slogan that uh, actually one of our amazing um, heart and soul team member uh, Michelle came up with uh, diversity in or unity and diversity, mm-hmm. and so what I really got from that is is that although we are a complex and very individual, and there's diversity within each of us that when we can truly come together and maybe we won't like everybody, but to understand our narratives and where we come from, that that can start to build the pathway for future generations to be able to reap um, the benefits of of living in a more inclusive and Mm -hmm. safe space um, and community. And Sonoma (coughs) County uh, is, is right for that right now within the past two years, I've seen collaborations happen to an extent that I haven't seen before, and I've been here for about six years, particularly within the LGBTQ plus community. And so I think that the summit is only another representation of what's already happening and starting to fuzzle up, fizzle up. And so this, this is something that we're really looking forward to. But the reason that, yes, PI is a fiscal sponsor, but I really wanted to showcase and, and recognize that the reason we called it at LGBTQ Summit is because I want it to be a collective effort, uh, a unity amongst the organizations, agencies, and communities, and individuals that are already doing the work that we can come together and actually offer something as a collective. And so we can continue to do that each year, mm-hmm. offering new ways of thinking, new innovative ways of of accepting and moving into new ways of um, addressing systemic and policy issues that are very much rooted in in, in a lot of different aspects yeah. of, of our communities. Well, I think you're right. I, I do think that Sonoma County is ripe for that. Uh, you know, we have the Human Rights Task Force mm-hmm. uh, and the LGBT group that's focused that uh, uh, 
you know, we've, we've had them on talking about that and, and then all of the other support organizations that are there, but, but rarely a time when everybody comes together. When is the summit going to take place? The summit is going to be September 15th through the 16th. We have a website, lgbtqsummit.com. And if you want to volunteer or get involved, please email info at lgbtsummit.com. Uh, we will be happy uh, to have you on board. The more volunteers, the better. We're going to make this event happen. And we want to we want to see how communities come together. Great. And if you missed that website, we'll put it on our show notes on our own website at OutbeatNews.com. So the 15th and 16th of September, the 15th is a Friday, and I think you and said you're going to have a... Sat- so the 15th will be like a, like a dinner for our sponsors, okay. um, like a special dinner LGBT sponsorship, and then on Saturday we'll have the full conference. Uh, time's still deciding right now, but we're still working on it okay. since it's a very early stage. And where is it going to be held? It's going to be held at Sonoma State University. Great. So easy to get to location. Yeah, easy to get to location. Uh, we're still figuring out parking and transportation for some folks that don't have transportation. So don't let transportation stop okay. you because we are going to provide transportation and the for those people who can't. Website's yes. a great place to go for that. Uh, Definitely. And Positive Images Facebook for updated information. Okay. And so you're going to have tables. You mentioned that for the various organizations and then some speakers. Yeah, this we we haven't fully because we're in the beginning stages of we've gotten the foundational aspects and so our next steps is to work is to work on particularly the curriculum and what we're going to be producing and so because there's so many topics that are are needed to be addressed things around intersectionality racism sexism homophobia um, transphobia there's just so many aspects that we want to address we are working closely with educators academia but also. Uh, individuals already within the community that are struggling and collecting those narratives so that we could really address what's happening here in Sonoma County um, and how that relates to the greater communities outside of Sonoma County. And so we're we're getting there and that that'll be coming and hopefully um i know that we've talked that we would come back uh we'll here come back to, with more yeah, details with more detail definitely yeah so we'll definitely uh, this is the unveiling <laughs> yeah I, you, i'm pretty excited we're the first ones uh, that you're talking yeah. to yes about you're it. the so first you one it, for publicity you literally heard it here first yep. on Alpi yep. radio very exciting <laughs> uh but absolutely we'll be there the whole way with you and we'll share information on our mm-hmm. website and, and on the air as well about thank you it. so much uh, and and one last thing that this will be fully um bilingual and bicultural so we'll have definitely a definitely um uh simultaneous uh interpretation so in for espanol. any folks in in espanol and spanish and so for folks that maybe are listening right now that know of anybody who's interested in going that is worried hey is this going to be for for spanish speakers as well Eso también va a ser español, va a ser una conferencia totalmente en español, así que si no hablas el lenguaje inglés, vamos a tener uh, personas que traducen la, la conferencia, así que no les deje el lenguaje que lo intimiden demasiado. Boom. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we bring we bring the heat. So we're it. here. So, have you gotten any support from uh, local government? No. Uh, we So far, we got Sonoma State because they offer us the location. Uh, we have Flight, LCC, which is the um, the one who created the website, the web design. They did our, they're helping us with the website. And we have PI. So, so far, we don't have any government yet. We're trying to gather all of our sponsors and trying to figure out who's going to be able to help so us. If, so if there are some city council folks that are out there listening right now from the region who might want to help, mm-hmm. what kind of help do you need? 
So any any type of referrals or connections that they already have, a lot of the time people are like, oh, yeah, let's give money first. That's the first. Yes, we would love money. And, and the financial support is, is much needed for us to reach not only this year but for to make this continuous. As for other aspects, I think that just their connections, having connections within the type of work that they already do um, to other people that may be interested in taking part, um, either volunteering specifically their time or their expertise in certain avenues around diversity, um, cultural humility, uh, aspects of the LGBT community that are really hidden, but that things that need to be brought to the surface. Uh, facilitators, individuals that are well-skilled in facilitation, uh, this summit will be predominantly activity driven Mm -hmm. we're not going to be sitting in chairs or you know basically hearing somebody spew out something to us it's going to be more interactive uh and action planning so we're we're creating a space in which we just don't come to listen but we actually come to do yeah so it's like the opposite of some conferences where they do and then they listen and then at the end they'll go figure out spaces this is a place where we'll do Mm-hmm. right then and people connecting people because that's the biggest part mm-hmm. we want to connect everyone uh, it sounds like an amazing opportunity mm-hmm. and, and again th- it's right along the same messaging that we've been talking about the last several months here is that you've got to get up and get involved um, do something find find your passion mm-hmm. and so if you're not quite sure where your passion is in this county this would be the place to go mm-hmm. yes so mark your calendars for september 15th and 16th yep at Sonoma State. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very good. Um, so let's go back to positive images, if we can. Uh, talk about what's, what's going on with programming there, um, particularly for some of our younger listeners who may not have attended a meeting or may be interested. What's happening? Yeah, so positive images since the, the dawn of time has been doing uh, specific support groups. We have one main one uh, that's for the whole LGBTQ plus uh, spectrum or as some see it as a sphere or void uh there's a lot of different ways of, of expressing it but we we start around seven o'clock and end at nine every thursday night and we have an array of different topics and we have um, facilitators all of our support groups um are usually peer run and so these are other young folks that are uh, have been had some sort of training and also just being a part of a group and learning new skills. A lot of the time, the way that people learn, especially young folks, is through their development and making mistakes and and showing that sense of humility and vulnerability. And so we offer that to them and they they select themselves into those positions. And so for that, we, we also are doing a lot of different events. We just recently opened up a um, Sebastopol group, support group, uh, and we're collaborating with Community Heals, uh, which is another nonprofit in in Sebastopol. And so that was a really great venture. We're eventually going to start looking at Sonoma again. We had a group out there, but because of our capacity right now, we just don't have enough funding, but also enough people to hold that space. And so folks are listening and they're they're interested in, in and they have facilitation skills and are interested in leading a group, please, please contact me. Um, aside from that, uh, May 6th is our next event. We are collaborating and connecting strongly with Social Advocates for Youth, SAY. And so we are doing a, um, a summer bash. And so it's a LGBTQ, BBQ. And so there's <laughs> Say that five food. times fast. I know, right? Uh, there'll be food, music, DJ, performances, um, art aspects. So we, we definitely want to make this... Uh, an accessible event for for everybody. So this is not just for the young folks. Uh, This is for young folks and everybody else who are allies or within the LGBTQ plus community. 
Um, and so that event is going from three to seven thirty, and that's found on our on our Facebook um, page. You can just look up Positive Images on on Facebook, and we are we're there. Also, our website is pauseimages.org, where you can also access that information. Great. And how about the trans groups? I know that you you know that's one of the I think really amazing and perhaps unique aspects of of the work that you're doing. You've had a number of trans groups over the years. How are they doing? So the the trans groups is actually honestly have gone down. Um, the not because they're they're not accessible. It's just that our actual main groups have become the place for about 80 percent, 80 to 85 percent of our membership right now is trans identified, not on the binary or mm-hmm. um, or just gender nonconforming and, and several other ways of, of identifying. There's a plethora. And so our, our groups have really come to, to conjugate around our, our Thursday night groups. And so. There's there's very little attendance with the with the trans youth groups um, and for parents for our support for parents of, of trans youth um, has also dwindled and so uh, there's there's reasons for that I think uh, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure but we're we're trying to figure out other avenues um, are people of, afraid do you think is, is it the environment right now that's there's a causing possibility some fear? there's a possibility I think that that could be mm. an issue for them to, for just being exposed or coming out and and not feeling necessarily safe but we do offer individual advocacy and support and so if there are young folks or parents that are struggling right now and and need a space for someone to connect with um jackie nugent is always always available um she's wonderful has been an amazing amazing volunteer for positive images um for quite some time now and so individual calling on the phone, working with young folks, working with adults, working with grandparents, anybody um, from all walks of life. Oh, great. Uh, she's definitely there. And the 30th Sonoma County Pride celebration is coming up. The mm-hmm. first weekend of June. The, uh, June 4th. S- well, yeah, second, third, and fourth, right? We've yeah. got the Billy Gilman, Steve Grand concert on the yeah, second. And that's then the, be great. the rally that we're going to be out at. Yep. Uh, Javier's going to be speaking at that. and. And then the celebration. How's PI going to be involved? So we've we've been asked, and, and last year we weren't we weren't in the parade, which was un, unfortunate due to some miscommunication and, and aspects. But this year, definitely, we will be in the parade. Uh, we're also most of our young folks and adult volunteers will be volunteering for uh, for this Sonoma County Pride, uh, and we'll be tabling as well. And so we're looking at feasibly connecting with um, the letter people, which is Laura and and myself are a part of. In, in maybe collaborating again, an opportunity instead of us just going single-handedly that we have full representation of the unity uh, amongst our communities. So, Great. Great. Well, promises to be a very, very exciting uh, 30th celebration. Definitely. Yes. County. Um, so a couple opportunities to get involved. The event on May 6th. Uh, a great way to connect with the community there. You've got Pride coming up the first weekend of June, and then the summit, which will take place in the fall on the 15th and 16th. Definitely. Yes, please get involved. <laughs> yes, get involved. Uh, show up or volunteer. And tell us one more time again where people can go to learn more about Positive Images. So you can go to pauseimages.org or find us on Facebook, uh, Positive Images. Um, and we're we're there, and we're... Always, always listening. So if there's anything that, that you would like, feel free to, to connect with us. Our phone number is um, 707-568-5830 if folks are interested in contacting us directly. Terrific. 
Javier, Lauda, thank you so yeah, much. Congratulations so much on the summit. I can't wait to to, to uh, see how this all unfolds. Oh, yes. it's going to be so good. <laughs> so excited. Outstanding. And we'll be back with more right after this. What if I told you that you could get peace of mind in just 20 minutes and it's free? If you've ever wondered if you contracted HIV and aren't sure, you can get tested for free, confidentially, and anonymously with results in just 20 minutes. Call face-to-face at 544-1581 or visit f2f.org. Face-to-face, ending AIDS in Sonoma County, 20 minutes at a time. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Outbeat News In-Depth right here on KRCB-FM Radio 91. I'm Greg Morelia. Well, in this week's Outbeat News segment, you heard another story about a police officer who was fired from his department because he is gay after suffering harassment and discrimination by his peers and supervisors. The officer sued and won his job back along with a $750,000 settlement paid for by taxpayers, of course. Our next guest experienced a similar situation right here in California. Officer Zach Lemire was terminated this last year from the Elk Grove Police Department. That's a city up by Sacramento, just days before his probationary period was to end. This story hits a bit close to home as Zach was one of my students at Napa Valley College. He finished at the top of his class and was off to a great start in Elk Grove until his peers and supervisors learned he is gay. Officer Lemire and his attorney, Lawrence Bohm, are here tonight to tell us more. Gentlemen, welcome to you both. Thank you for having us. Uh, it's great to have you here. I wish we were talking about something more positive. Uh, Zach, let's start with you and a little bit about your story. Tell us about your background and your military career. Well, after graduating high school, um, I joined the Army right away. Um, I served six years as a military intelligence analyst, um, including the deployment to Iraq where I served in combat. was honorably discharged from the military, and then I started working as a government contractor where I worked for the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency as a subject matter expert. And I also deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan with that agency. Wow. So you've had a pretty extensive military career. Yes. I uh, worked on a team that developed three programs of record for the Department of Defense and the intelligence community. Um, I helped develop and write uh, course curriculum that created an entire analytical tradecraft, um, and all of it was basically based on um, watching human behavior and determining what people were doing and why they were going to do it. Wow, pretty impressive. Now, you were in the military during the time of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, correct? Correct. So I joined in 2000, and I left in 2006, which was just prior to the repealing of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Um, which created a very interesting and unique experience for me. Um, I was not out with my family or I didn't tell anybody in my personal life that I was gay, but in the army, it became a whole different ball game because you weren't allowed to tell. So even if I wanted to share that experience or share my true self with someone, I wasn't allowed to, I would have been kicked out of the army and I would have lost all the opportunities to create all of the great programs that I did for the intelligence community sure. after my career. Sure, sure. So when did you make that decision uh, to come out and and be yourself? Um, well, like, like most people, I didn't actually make the decision. Um, I suffered a, a terrible loss at the end of my military career, and I lost somebody that I was very close with. It was 
one of the first people that I actually was in a, a dating relationship with. And I struggled with it. And I, I went back from Hawaii to Minnesota. And I just kind of, I really had a hard time with it. My family noticed. And uh, my cousin, who's probably one of my closest friends to me, he asked me what was wrong. And, and he was the first person that I ever told uh, that I was gay. Mm. And I explained what happened. And he... Uh, yeah. He ended up telling my family, and and then it kind of went downhill from there. Uh, and, and what about the other people in your life, uh, and maybe now the people that you worked with in the military before in this post "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" time? How did they so receive it? It was a really unique experience because then you know my family started posting stuff on Facebook and everything like that, and and they kind of stopped talking to me, and then because of all that, then my friends that were in the military found out, and it was a really unique reaction some of them were very angry because i wasn't truthful to them and i couldn't tell them that i was gay mm-hmm. um some of them completely stopped talking to me like m- many of my family members did and some of them embraced it and said you know hey i totally understand that you were put in a position that you never wanted to be in but that was the rules and you couldn't tell me because if you would have, then you would have been kicked out. And ironically, one of our close friends who hung out with our group uh, of friends in Hawaii, um, right at the end of my career, he got kicked out because he had to admit to being gay. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it was an experience that, that was very frightful nonetheless. Yeah, I can only imagine. And thank goodness we're past that now. Uh, so you left the military. What drew you to pursue a law enforcement career? I've always had like this this goal in mind for where I was going to get. And, and I didn't know this until I did the background investigation with Elk Grove. But apparently when I was very, very young, um, I was like five years old, I, I sent my mom a letter. And I told her that I was going to graduate from high school. I was going to join the Army. And then I was going to become a police officer. And then after that, I was going to become the President of the United States. Well, that's a pretty, pretty uh-huh. uh, clear set of goals. Yeah. So apparently, even as a young kid, like I knew where I was headed and and my passion stayed the same. You know, I served my country. I did great things for, you know, my nation. I helped people in other nations. I did, you know, great work and it felt awesome and it was great to be a part of it. And then when I was done with that and I finally had the ability because, you know, I'm very grateful for the opportunity that was given to me and that included, you know, handsomely rewarding me for my time and effort. So it provided me with a unique experience to be able to put myself through the police academy, pay all my bills, and still be able to live um, anticipating that I would get a a police job. So that's what I did. I I took a leap. I walked away from a a career with a top secret clearance and uh, was a subject matter expert for an agency. And I followed my dream, which was I wanted to be able to help people in my own community. I wanted to be able to help people here in the United States, not always overseas. Mm-hmm. So after leaving the military, you put yourself through the police academy. I know that. And then you decided to apply for the Elk Grove Police Department. Why there? Um, well, so I applied at a couple departments and I went and visited Elk Grove and I drove around and it felt very similar to the environment that I grew up in at home. It's a suburban city. It's large. It, you know, it's fairly wealthy. Um, you know, it, it felt like a community that I could connect with. Um, I went in for the interview after the interview, they put me out into the hallway and then the entire panel came out and talked to me and they told me, um, 
basically they said, hey, look, you know, uh, the interview's over, which it's never over. Uh, and they said, but we we're so interested in your background. We're so interested in what you went through. And they asked me a bunch of more questions. And I answered those questions. And they said, OK, um, we're going to walk you across the hall. And I was like, what? And they said, yeah. So they bring me across and they sit me down in the lieutenant's office. And the lieutenant hands me a background packet. And he says, we would like to hire you. Hmm. Right, right then and there. Yeah. Right then and there, right on the spot. And it, it was incredible because they were interviewing hundreds of candidates. At that point in time, I hadn't even been in the academy for a day. And they were hiring people that had graduated or close to graduating from the academy. And they brought me across the street and offered me the job right then and there. Well, you must have said something right in that interview. That's for sure. Obviously, obviously, at that point, though, it's illegal to ask someone their sexual orientation. But the background process is so extensive. I know in getting hired in law enforcement, they had to have discovered who you were at some point, right? Yeah, actually, it was like the, the very first question that comes out in the background process. Um, so I'm sitting there with the background investigator. He's a sergeant. And he says, okay, well, I've been looking through your packet and everything like that. And everything looks good, which, of course, it should. I had a top secret clearance with all sorts of caveats. So I filled out that background packet nine million times. Um, and he says, well, I just got a question about this, this one individual. There's, there's this male that moved from you with with you from Minnesota to Nebraska, Nebraska to D.C., D.C. to to California. He's like, isn't that a little weird that this guy just followed you around? Like, I mean, you have buddies that can just move with you? And I knew what he was getting at. Nah, ah, crud. And I had to make that choice, you know, like, am I going to try to pretend to be somebody else or am I just going to be who I am? And after graduating or going through the experience at Napa Police Academy, I was like, you know what? I mean, it's California. It's 2014. If I can't be who I need to be, you know, like, what's the point of all this? You know, like, I mean, I should be able to be me. And so I told him, I said, no, he's not just a friend as person that I was dating, you know, we're no longer in a relationship, but that's the person I was dating. He says, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then the sergeant says to me, he says, well, we've never had one of you in our department. I thought, huh, that's interesting. And he says, you know, I'm just not sure how it's going to go. You know, I, I don't know what it's like, what it's going to be like to have an openly gay male at our department. He said, you know, there are, there are female officers, but it's clearly a difference between having a female officer that's, that's a gay person or a male officer that's a gay person. He said, but, you know, whatever you choose, the department's going to support you. If you choose to be open about your lifestyle, the department will support you. If you choose to keep your personal life yourself, we'll support that decision also. Hmm. And, at, and at that moment, like I look back and I think um, – that sergeant was telling me something, you know, like now that I've been in law enforcement for multiple years, right, you know the people around you. You know the atmosphere and the environment that's tolerated and allowed within your department. And he was being open and honest with me saying, I don't know how it's going to go. Like, you know, you read through that and he's saying, I don't know how this atmosphere with these people is going to work if you're an openly gay male. Did that send some red flags up for you? Yeah. I went home and I talked to Joseph about it and I said, gosh, I don't know what to do now. You know, like I want to be open and I want to be myself and I don't want to lie to the people around me. I don't want to be in that don't ask, don't tell environment again. 
But at the same time, now I'm worried, like, what's going to happen? I've heard all these stories from the gay community where they talk about, well, if, if they find out you're gay, they're going to find they're going to find a reason to fire you. They'll come up with a way, you know, like, don't let them know. Don't let them know. And, and so all these things start to pile up. And I think, like, I don't know what, what to do here. So we made a conscious decision in our relationship, like, all right, look, we're not going to lie. We're not going to say that you're not gay, right? We're just going to keep your personal life to yourself, keep your professional life professional, and we'll see what the environment within the department brings and whether or not it's an environment where you can tell people about your sexual orientation or not. So that's what we did. Okay. So you got hired. Obviously, they knew. And and at some point, at some high level that makes a decision about who they're going to hire and who they're not, uh, they made a decision that we're, we're good. He's bringing all these other attributes to the department, including who he is, and they hired you. And you went through training successfully. Yeah, I, I had zero issues. Zero issues during the field training program. Um, and I, I really had almost no issues after the field training program. Um, you know, I was a brand new officer. It's a brand new job. I make mistakes just like everybody. I mean, we all make mistakes. It's, it's part of it. But there was never anything that was um, like a, a major red flag or a major error. I, nothing that ever required uh, formal discipline or anything like that. Okay. So when did things begin to go sideways? About four or five weeks in. Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's probably like the second month that I was at Elk Grove, I'm sitting in the break room and modern families on the television. Um, and I'm eating my tuna and crackers cause that's what I eat. And this Sergeant walks in and there's some people around me and I don't, I don't really know who they are because I'm brand new at the department. And I just switched from my first FTO to my second FTO, which means I'm on a new shift. And, but I do recognize cause I was in the military that he's got Sergeant stripes on and there's three sergeants standing in the break room and there's two lieutenants there and, the sergeant comes in and he, he goes on this like anti-homosexual tirade or rant about modern family being on the TV. And he says, you know, I can't believe that they allow it to be on television, that they make it seem like this is a modern family. It's apprehensible. Um, you know, and he just he goes on and on. And it's not like he's just like talking to his buddy, you know, like he's talking to the entire break room. And at that moment, I realized what that sergeant in the background investigation was telling me was, I don't know how this is going to go if you're openly gay in this department. So as you look back on it now, do you think he was talking to you or did he not have any idea about the fact that you were gay? Oh, I, I don't think that sergeant had any clue that I was gay. Okay. But I think what the other sergeant was telling me was there's a problem with some people in this department. And on that day, it became very evident and very clear to me that there was a huge problem. And if that sergeant found out my sexual orientation, there's no way that he was going to allow me to be a success if he's that angry about a TV show. Right. So that was one that was one incident, but there were more that happened that led to them eventually letting you go. Yeah. So at that point, I decided, you know, I'm basically back in don't ask, don't tell. If I allow anyone to find out my sexual orientation, I am I'm, I'm going to end up getting fired. I'm going to get released. So I don't lie to my my partners. I just have to separate myself from them as much as possible. 
And so as I go, I eat lunch alone. You know, I eat lunch in my car. I don't take breaks with other people. I show up an hour early, you know, to change out at the locker room because I start hearing all the jokes and the disparaging comments about homosexuals and, you know, um, you know, just the, the constant barrage that happens, you know, in the locker room, so to speak. You know, thanks to Donald Trump, we've now, you know, it's locker room talk um, is very evident in the police force that that happens frequently. Um, so I just adjusted everything. Well, that started causing a problem because then, you know, they wanted me to integrate better with my team. Well, that's a huge issue with me because if I integrate better with your team, then I'm going to be subjected to more harassment, more issues Then I'm going to either have to lie to them about my sexual orientation, or I'm going to have to, you know, they're going to think I'm a, a, a very bad person because I don't share my personal life with them. It was really a, a no win situation. And it kind of came to a, a head when I got an email from the sergeants saying that they wanted me to spend my lunches with people, that they wanted me to take time on my off time to go spend time with my partners from my shift. And, and they were basically trying to force me to spend time with their people at that point. And so how did it all end? I, I went back to speak to the training manager um, because I needed uh, some pamphlets to hand out at a recruitment event. Because ironically, I the police department supported me going to police academies and being part of a discussion group that talked about workplace discrimination. Um, and I walked back and I talked to the training sergeant and she noticed that something was very wrong with me. And she asked me, what's going on? And so I just told her, like, I got this email. It's, it's really throwing me off there. They're really trying to force me to do this. And then I explained to her why I didn't want to integrate. And I told her about the jokes and the comments and the, the rant that the sergeant went on. And, you know, there's other incidences with leadership, the sergeants and stuff, where they made comments that were blatantly biased towards homosexuals or members of my community. And I told her, I, said, I just don't know what to do. Like, I feel like if I allow myself to get close to these people, like they're asking me, I'm going to get I'm going to get fired. And she stopped our little conversation and she said, you realize that this is discrimination and it's wrong and it shouldn't be happening in our department. And I have to report it to my boss. So there was an investigation. And then what happened? Basically, at that point, the department, everyone that we talked to that day minimalized what happened. Everybody's reaction, the IA lieutenants, the sergeants that end up being told, the lieutenants that are end up being told, they all say the same thing. Their first reaction is, oh, no, no, we don't have that problem in our department. And the training manager steps in and says, no, sir, right? We do have this problem in our department. And here's the incidences that he told me about, including things that specifically were involved with sergeants that have caused an issue. So then they all kind of you know, reeled and, you know, we, they came up with this plan, like, we're going to fix this. How we're going to fix it, we don't know, but we're going to fix this. And then three months goes by and nobody contacts me. I don't get an email. There's no response from the police department. And then I start getting retaliated against for making the complaint. And I, and I knew, like, I could see them starting to try to the, the sergeant's starting to try to find anything wrong that they could find. 
So even if it wasn't something that I did wrong or, or they just perceived it to be slightly off, all of a sudden there'd be this huge issue where I'm now sitting in the sergeant's office and they're asking me about something and I'm just confused. Like, well, what are you talking about? Like, like that's, you know, and so I could, I could already feel it was starting. And so I submitted for training to go to drug recognition evaluation training, DRE training. Um, because I was working to get my MAD award, my Mothers Against Drunk Driving Award, which is 25-plus DUIs for the year. And I knew that if I had some form of drug recognition training, that it would increase my ability to do my job immediately, and I could then, I could then get more DUIs. And I checked to make sure that as a probationary employee that I could go to the training and everything like that, and, and I filled it all out, and, and I walked into work one day and I checked my mailbox and the training slip was in my mailbox and said denied and said you can resubmit when you clear probation and that was the only reason given so I went and talked to the training manager and the training manager said absolutely not that is not that is not a reason to deny training like you're being retaliated against and I said okay what do I do now and she said I will set up a meeting with the assistant chief with you so then I went to talk to the assistant chief and the assistant chief looked at the paper. He said, yep, this is not a reason we deny training. And I said, okay, well, I feel like I'm being retaliated against. And I go through everything all over again. This is the environment that I've been living in. This is what's been happening. Here's the discrimination that I've been feeling. And now I'm being retaliated against because I finally spoke up and nothing has happened from the department. And the assistant chief tells me that day, he says, I will talk to the chief the minute I walk out of this office. And at that point, um, the training was about to occur, and I still had not gotten a response or any contact from the department, and I didn't know what to do. So I reported everything to the human resources director in Elk Grove, the city of Elk Grove. So then soon after you reported all of this to the human resources department in the city, you were then fired. Yeah, so that resulted in me sitting down with the chief of police, and we had a meeting where I detailed everything to him yet again. Sitting across from the table from me, he told me uh, a couple things that really struck a uh, chord with me. One, he said, I wouldn't be surprised if you're sitting in my seat as the chief of police in this city someday. Uh, that was interesting. I, I told him, thank you. You know, I, I'm not quite there yet. I'm still trying to pass probation. And then I told him, look, my community has told me that when this happens, when I, when I stand up for myself and I say that this environment is, is wrong and it's causing me issues, um, the sergeants, the people who disagree with me, who don't approve my lifestyle, are going to find a way to release me from probation. And the chief said, I'm not going to allow that to happen. He said, I'm going to bring in an independent investigator, and we're going to start an investigation. I said, okay, cool. So that investigation started, and from what I understand from people at the department, she brought basically everybody that I worked with into an office and asked them, when did they know that I was gay? And none of them had a clue at that point. Doesn't even make any sense. Mr. Bohm, let's switch to you. Obviously, this isn't the first case like this that you've handled. From your perspective, how pervasive is this type of discrimination in law enforcement today? Well, I mean, I, I don't want to indict an entire industry, but I, I think I could relate it this way. When you think of your traditional macho industries, 
you're going to have a problem with tolerance vis a vis sexual orientation and lifestyle choices. I mean, in, in my experience, because you got to understand, I see the broad spectrum. Uh, where I see this problem occurring most is in industries that are typically very macho. You know, the, if it's a, I would expect that you would have a problem in a truck driving outfit. I would expect that you would have a problem in a, a plumber's uh, collective union. These jobs that tend to be predominantly male, uh, where women historically have had to fight to get their role in the workplace. You know, in Zach's story, when he's talking about how, you know, they initially compared to, well, we got women. It's like, exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, why not just say, well, we have blacks, you know, it's like, yes, that's what we're talking about is that, you know, they look at it as like they're letting each person in rather than that we were all entitled to it in the first place. Why do you think law enforcement in particular, though, is seems so far behind? I mean, in so many other segments of society, LGBT people have become very integrated, clearly well, not across actually, the country. But, but why do you think we're still dragging our feet? Look at the pipeline for law enforcement jobs. OK, the pipeline for law enforcement jobs is the military. So and then look at the military and how it has historically functioned vis-a-vis gay people and gay rights. So, I mean, I'm, I, I don't have any peer-reviewed study to back that up, but I got a lot of common sense and it served me well. Okay. So in your opinion, what's the answer to fixing this? Well, I mean, obviously part of the fix is it relies on the people who are being victimized. Because everybody knows that if a victim suffers in silence, then the problem goes undressed. So, you know, of course, they, they pick the absolutely worst victim in Zach because his service to our country gives him a cloak of, of credibility and real, real reliability when it comes to the story that he's telling. And it's extremely difficult to believe that somebody who is asked by his classmates to be the lieutenant for his police academy turns out to be a sucky police officer. I wonder what the fail rate even is for the top graduates in their police academy in their first job that they go to get. Mm-hmm. It's preposterous that he can't do that job. That one day the chief of police says you're going to be sitting here and then the next day he can't clear it. But you see, Let's not confuse the secondary issue. So first we have the problem in that gays are not tolerated in the workplace. But then we have a secondary problem within law enforcement. And this is one that I know is very prevalent in law enforcement. And I have the experience to speak to that. It's whistleblowing. Okay. First, it's that something happened. Then it's how are you going to treat the whistleblower? And that therein lies a second class of people that are hated Uh, in addition to gay people. And that's the people who make complaints at work that illegal activities are happening. And, you know, workplaces are supposed to, of course, protect and celebrate these people as doing the right thing and helping the organization thrive. But in reality, our baser instincts, our high school selves come out, and we hate that guy who now is telling on us. And look what he did. Now we all look bad. Now we have a problem. You know, when... When I see these cases, the person who's complaining about a a workplace is like the good friend who tells you that your jeans are just three sizes too small already. You know, nobody wants to hear that. And, you know, they can get pissed at you 
when you give them a dose of the truth. And that's, that's a story that's been around for a lot longer than I've had in my law practice. That's for sure. And I have no, uh, no understanding that human beings are going to change the way they feel about uh, vindictiveness and retaliation. That's why we have laws mm -hmm. so that when it happens, uh, you know, we can do something about it. How are you going to stop drunk driving? You know, we know it's a problem. We, we, we've known it's a problem for a long time. We're not. So you got to go to the next step. So we have laws and then you go to the next step and we have consequences. And so, yeah, there are laws that protect um, Zach and protect the department. Actually, the department can look at this lawsuit and say, oh, you know, it's not fair. We're being attacked. You're not being attacked. You're being fixed. This is your medicine. This lawsuit is your medicine. The fact of the matter is this could have gone a whole lot better and it didn't. And it ended with him losing his job, and it shouldn't have. Well, you're absolutely right, and it's tragic all the way around. And ultimately, taxpayers are the ones who end up uh, footing the bill for all of this for the legal costs as well as uh, whatever punishment comes from it, and it's really unacceptable. But the good news is Zach did get another job. He's working as a police officer at another agency in Northern California. So, Zach, congratulations on that. We've been talking with Officer Zach Lemire and his attorney, Mr. Lawrence Bohm. Gentlemen, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, and we'll keep our fingers crossed that it all works out well. Right. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having us. And that brings us to the end of our hour. My thanks to all of our guests tonight. I'll be back next Sunday for an Outbeat Extra. We'll be continuing our discussion about activism and hear from a local activist, Ken Jones, who you may have seen in the ABC miniseries, When We Rise. That's happening at 8 p.m. next Sunday night and only here on KRCB-FM Radio 91. Be sure to watch our website for the latest information on Pride celebrations coming your way starting the first weekend of June with a 30th Sonoma County Pride celebration. We'll have all the details and all the links to events and celebrations happening all around the Bay on our website at OutBeatNews.com. In the meantime, have a great week, and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Outbeat News in Depth is hosted and produced by Greg Moralia exclusively for KRCB Radio. Podcasts of our shows are available for on-demand play from iTunes, Google Music, and TuneIn. Get links and sign up for email notifications when new shows become available on our website at OutbeatNews.com. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates from Outbeat Radio News all week long. Online bidding is now open for the KRCB Bay Area Travel and Wine Auction. Experience the Ritz-Carlton in Half Moon Bay. This secluded luxury resort is the only Bay Area golf resort with a coastal setting. The King Master Suite has a panoramic ocean and golf course view. The second bedroom has two double beds and ocean views. Valid Sunday through Friday. This is item number 5084. To bid on this item or browse our other auction items, visit krcb.org auction. You can now watch and listen to KRCB on your mobile device using the new KRCB app. So you can take KRCB wherever you go, such as while on a morning run, while sitting very patiently at the laundromat, or waiting at the dog park. The KRCB app is available for Android and Apple devices, so bring it with you wherever you go. 
Support for Outbeat Radio on KRCB-FM comes from members and from Sonoma West Publishers, bringing you the Sonoma West Times and News, the Healdsburg Tribune, and the Windsor Times, your weekly source for local news, events, and community affairs. You're listening to KRCB-FM Windsor Santa Rosa Radio 91, online all the time at krcb.org. It is just before 9 p.m. Stay with us. Open Space District is coming up next. <laughs> 